We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the subject is natural law. What is it, where does it come from, and why is it important to our constitutional freedoms here in the United States of America, and frankly, human freedom across the world? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. On today's show, I'd like to talk about natural law, the laws of nature and nature's God. I'd like to talk about self-evident truths, truths that are endowed to us by God, not made up by government. I'd like to, I'd like to talk about first things again, those things that have to be acknowledged, those things that will govern us one way or another, the first things that are just as inevitable in our lives as gravity or 2 plus 2 equals 4. You can't change the law of gravity. It is going to be there, even if you pretend it's not. And you can't change the reality of the sum of 2 plus 2 equaling 4. You can pretend it's different. You can act like you don't want to obey that law that exists in mathematics or in science. But nonetheless, those laws are there. Now, our seminal documents here in the United States of America assume the same things. They assume that there are laws that have to be obeyed. And when those laws are compromised, that we, the people, have a responsibility to speak and speak boldly and to challenge anyone, even the king, in the case of our founding fathers. Even challenge the king, because even that one person, that sovereign, that potentate, that dictator, that despot, that president, or even a collection of people like a Congress, even the king and his courts cannot violate natural law. And we have the responsibility to rise up and tell him and them that. That's the nature of today's program. So let's take an early break. And when I get back, I'm going to read, I'm going to read the first couple paragraphs of the Declaration of Independence to you and remind you what that says what that document says, what the Declaration of Independence, what does it declare? When it's called the Declaration of Independence, what is it declaring as the basis for our independence? And in this case, a synonym for independence would be freedom, the declaration of our freedom, the declaration of our liberties, the declaration of our independence is grounded on a very, very important argument that I would argue our Congress, our courts, and even our king, the President of the United States, have either forgotten or they intentionally now ignore. In fact, when Joe Biden botched the preamble of the Declaration of Independence and he said, you know that thing. You remember when he did that? He started citing, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And then he botched it. He couldn't finish the statement. 
He started mumbling and bumbling, realizing that he had forgotten how to finish that important seminal statement in the United States of America, that cornerstone to our constitutional republic, realizing that he had botched it. He concluded by saying, well, you, you, you know that thing. That thing, that thing is grounded in God, not government, in our creator, not our Congress, not our courts, and not a king. That thing is natural law, self-evident truths. The reality of a creator being above and beyond and more powerful than us, the reality, reality, excuse me, the reality of a first thing that we must honor. Otherwise, we'll suffer the consequences for ignoring that first thing, that law. The laws of nature and nature's God. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Like I said, let's take a break. When I get back, we'll start out with the Declaration of Independence, and then we'll talk further about the first things of natural law and what one or two of those natural laws are as we set the stage for subsequent shows where we will talk about this in greater detail. I'm Dr. Robert Piper. Let's take a break. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to the rebellion. All right. On July 4th, 1776, our founding fathers submitted this document. They titled it the Declaration of Independence, the Declaration of Freedom, the Declaration of Liberty. This was our ancestors, our great-great aunts and uncles, grandfathers and grandmothers, declaring that their rights, their natural rights, had been violated, that the laws of nature and nature's God had been spurned, had been ignored, and that the people who had been suffering the consequences of that violation of law, the people who were the subjects, the victims of that crime, had the right and responsibility to rise up and say so. So they did. And this is the way they did it. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. Again, what united those states? We talked about that in yesterday's show. What united those states was univerity, univeritas, the una diversity, if you will, of natural law, the laws of nature and nature's God. The fact that there were truths that were self-evident that needed to be learned, understood, and perpetuated, promoted, and taught in their day and their time, as well as set down in the documents of our nation so that they could live on. Those truths, those words, those writings would live on and teach the progeny of those United States. Teach them what was holding them together. Pass on that binding glue, if you will. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitled them, a decent respect for the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them in the separation. That's the first paragraph. What's critical? 
what's critical in that particular paragraph? When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which, here's the key phrase, folks, the laws of nature and nature's God entitled them. Right at the very beginning, in the first sentence, the first sentence of the Declaration of Independence, of Liberty, of Freedom, that declaration that serves as the glue to bond the United States together as a united people rather than a divided people. A university rather than a diversity is the laws of nature and nature's God. They're, they're recognizing that there are laws that come from outside of us. Very important laws that cannot be violated, cannot be created, cannot be ignored, cannot be made up. You can't pretend that they're not there. You can't pretend that gravity doesn't exist. Oh, you can pretend, but you'll die because the law will not go away. You cannot pretend that 2 plus 2 equals 5. You can pretend, I suppose, but when you do, you're going to be designing buildings and bridges that fall down and kill people. Uh, pretending, make-believe, acting like your opinions are more important than the truths of natural law, the laws of nature and nature's God. When you start functioning in a make-believe world where you think you can jump off a building and float to the ground and not hurt yourself or when you think you can design bridges and houses and barns and other structure on some contrived, opinionated math rather than the facts of addition and multiplication and subtraction. When you start living in that pretend world, that make-believe world, that fantasy world of leprechauns and unicorns, what happens? You're going to suffer the consequences. You'll come crashing to the ground, literally, because you ignored those laws of nature and nature's God. Now, they could have just said the laws of nature. They could have left out nature's God. But what they were saying is that they agreed with Augustine. They agreed with Thomas Aquinas. They agreed with the church, with a capital C, the universal church, the united church, the Catholic Church in, in, the, in the literal sense of the word Catholic, which means universal. Not Roman Catholic. They weren't aligning themselves with the Pope as the ultimate potentate and dictator and power broker. No, they weren't doing that. They were aligning themselves with the universal understanding, the universal church, the laws of the universe, the laws of nature and nature's God. That was their basis for writing this, which in the concluding sentence of that first paragraph says, these laws, the laws of nature and nature's God again, these are the things that impel us to separation from a government that thinks it's God and can violate these basic, these basic laws. Then they went on in the second paragraph 
and said this, we hold these truths to be self-evident. This is the part that Joe Biden botched. He couldn't remember this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Full stop right there. No, it doesn't say we hold these truths to be self-evident and then you bumble it and confuse it and mumble and jumble it and then you say, oh, you know that thing. No, this is very important, folks. It's not just that thing. And any leader that can't remember it, understand it, proclaim it, and defend it is not a leader, a leader worthy of your vote. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Now, when they talk about truths, let's just talk about those two words in the first, the, the first phrase of this sentence before the first comma. We hold these truths to be self-evident. They're acknowledging that there is a truth and it is self-evident. Not that we're going to build a new nation or base our appeal to the king and to the British Parliament on opinions, on our feelings. No, they weren't saying that. They were saying we hold truths, not opinions, not feelings. We hold these truths to be what? Self-evident. You just know they are there. Again, I'm going to repeat the analogy of gravity. It's self-evident that gravity exists. Drop a rock, it falls to the ground. Push something off of a cliff, it falls down the precipice into the valley below. We, we know that there are certain self-evident truths. Why is it self-evident? You just know it by virtue of being a human being. You know gravity is real, and you know that certain moral things are right or wrong. I've argued before, it is self-evident that rape is wrong, isn't it? It's just not an opinion that rape is wrong. It is self-evident that rape is always wrong. It is self-evident that slavery was a bad thing. It is self-evident that genocide should be stopped. It is self-evident that freedom is better than slavery. There are certain natural laws that are given by nature's God that are true with a capital T, and your opinion and your feelings and your quest for power doesn't matter. You can get a thousand people to agree that rape is a good thing and only have one person in the room saying, no, it's a bad thing because you perpetrated the rape on me. Who's right? The population doesn't matter. It's a fallacy of ad populum to claim that this new law of justifying rape as being good rather than evil, it's a fallacy of ad populum that to, for you to claim or anyone to say that the thousand are right and the one person is wrong. Why? Why do we know that? Why do you obviously agree with me as I'm making that particular argument on this show? You're nodding. You're saying, yes, the one person who was raped, who's saying it's wrong, is the person who is right. And the thousand others who are trying to justify it and come up with a new standard to make rape moral rather than immoral, they're the ones in the wrong. And the argument that in the quantitative, that because you've got more people 
quantitatively. Arguing against this natural law doesn't change it. It's self-evident on the very face of it. It's true, with a capital T, that rape is a bad thing. It's true, it's self-evident, that the Nazi Holocaust was a bad thing. It was immoral, it was wrong. It was just wrong to put a bunch of gypsies and Jews on trains and truck them, traffic them in boxcars across the Black Forest to the death camps of Birkow and Auschwitz. That was wrong. Who listening to me right now would like to argue, no, that was just an opinion. It's a, it was an opinion by a group of people. The Allied forces versus the Axis forces. It was the opinion of the Allied forces that killing Jews and gypsies in the death camps was wrong. That's, that's just an opinion. No, it was objectively, absolutely, self-evidently wrong. Antebellum slavery, the same thing. Buying and selling other human beings as if they are chattel is a bad thing. It's wrong. So when our Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident, it's grounding that truth and that self-evident nature of that truth back to the first paragraph where they said the laws of nature and nature's God entitled them to separate from a government, from a Congress, from a king, from a culture that was violating those natures and sticking its finger in the eye of nature's God. When that happens, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that we're all created equal, and no one can be treated that way. We're all endowed by our Creator. Those truths, that self-evident reality around us, the laws of nature, all of that is grounded in the assumption of a nature's God, of a Creator, that gave us, gives us certain unalienable rights. And they capitalize rights with a capital R. And then they say, among these. Now, among these is an important phrase, because it's not saying that the unalienable rights stop with life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, but at least we can agree, can't we, that among these unalienable rights, rights that cannot be denied or taken away, are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Now, there was a time five seconds ago where we could all agree that life is basically a self-evident definition. But today, apparently, in the wisdom of man, where we've elevated ourselves to be as God, and therefore will design and define all laws, rather than relying on nature's God and the laws of nature to tell us how to live, We've got places like California right now that are saying that you can actually terminate a human being after it's born if it was born as the result of a botched abortion. This is infanticide. This is murder. This is wrong in every shape or form. So we can't even define life any longer because we're ignoring the basic argument of the Declaration. That life is a self-evident thing. 
We shouldn't be arguing about about what a human life is or isn't. And that liberty is a self-evident thing. We can tell when somebody is in bondage and when they are set free. It's self-evident. It's just a truth. And that the pursuit of happiness, and again, I've told you before, happiness is just not this uh, don't worry, be happy phrase of our modern times. No, happiness essentially was a synonym for purpose, the pursuit of purpose. I've, I've said over and over again on this show, if you want to understand what they meant by happiness, consider it to be the antonym, the opposite of haplessness. That you and I have the right, and frankly, we will always pursue it. It's a law of nature. It's been imprinted upon our hearts, minds, and souls by the Creator, by nature's God himself, that you're going to pursue purpose. You're going to pursue happiness. You don't want to live a hapless life. You're not just an animal. That you've got something stamped on your heart, mind, and soul that causes you to want to have purpose, meaning. Why are we here? Why have we been created? What is our purpose in life? Well, this this Declaration of Independence argues that Those unalienable rights are life and liberty and the pursuit of that purpose, that meaning, that happiness, opposite of haplessness in every person's life. Now, it also says that an unalienable right is to secure these rights. It's your right to secure these rights. And that governments are instituted among men. That you have governments in the first place. And that these governments derive their just powers from from the consent of the governed. So this is the elevation of the power of the people within the government itself. That you can't have any small group of oligarchs, aristocracy, a small group of people, the elites, that think that they should govern everyone else. No, the people, the people, they are the power. They are the very basis. They are the DNA of the government. They are the government. So this is the very foundation of our independence, of our freedom, of our liberty. These are the first things The laws of nature and nature's God. The laws of nature and nature's God. The self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our Creator. These are the first things. And I'm going to say it one more time before we end this show. There are certain laws that cannot be avoided, cannot be ignored. There are man-made laws, for example, a stop sign. That's a man-made law. You don't have to have a stop sign at the intersection. Or to make it even more obvious that that's a man-made law, let's just say that the government decided to put stop signs along a country road with no intersections. It's just a straight road that goes for miles and miles and miles, and there's no other road that crosses it. 
but your local government decides to put a stop sign up about every mile along the course of that 15 or 20 mile road. Now you'd say, that's ridiculous. Why would they do that? Well, because they're the government. They've decided they have the power to control you. They think that you should slow down and stop every couple miles along this 15 mile stretch of road. No, there's no other reason for you to stop other than we told you to. There's no intersection. There's no, there's, there aren't even any houses along this road. So there isn't even a driveway coming out across the road or entering into your line of traffic. No, we, the elites, the oligarchs, the aristocracy, we have decided to make a new law. We're going to put up stop signs. Because that's the best way that we can slow you down. And we're going to have drones patrolling this particular stretch of back country roads. And if you don't stop, we're going to be sending you very expensive tickets until you learn to obey us. Now that's an example of a man-made law. That's not a natural law. That hasn't been given to us through a self-evident truth. It hasn't been endowed to us by our Creator. It isn't, it isn't the product of nature's God. No, this law is not a law of nature. It's a law of man. And it has come from government thinking it's God rather than acknowledging that there is a God above them. It's come from the quest for power rather than an eternal principle. So an example of man-made laws would be something that I just said right now. And the, the reality is, is when we re ignore the laws of nature and nature's God, when we ignore the revelation of God, whether it be the revelation of nature, a law of gravity, a mathematical law, or another revelation such as the Ten Commandments, which are not man-made, these are laws that we all understand are not opinion. Thou shalt not kill is not an opinion. Thou shalt not steal is not an opinion. These are laws that we've understood for millennia to be dictated by God, not derived from government. Revelational law is a law of nature. It's a revelation of God. It's not a construct of man. It's not created by government. And when we ignore these laws of nature, when we ignore nature's God, when we ignore the self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our Creator, when we ignore those things, we end up with reams upon reams upon reams of little laws that are as ridiculous as putting a stop sign up along a backcountry road with no intersections, putting stop signs up every two miles just because we want to, just because the government thought that was best just because it was a way for them to remind us that they have the power and we don't. That's the antithesis of the United States of America, folks. We, the people, have the power and the responsibility to rise up and tell the government when it does stupid things like that, you have violated the self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our Creator. You violated the laws of nature and nature's God. You're trying to make up thousands of little laws to replace those 10 simple ones. Get back in your box or we will separate from you in our declaration of our freedom. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.